After an accident, minutes matter. Your words and actions matter even more. You need help, and you need it now. This is David vs. Goliath, brought to you by Dolman Law Group Accident Injury Lawyers, a boutique firm with a reputation for going head-to-head -head with the insurance company giants and putting people over profits. Thanks for joining us. This is an episode from our back catalog, so the episode numbers and firm name may have changed. But this is quality information, so instead of scrapping them, we decided it was more important to make sure you still had access. Enjoy the episode, and listen to new episodes of David vs. Goliath at dolmanlaw.com. Welcome to the latest episode of the Dolman Law Group Podcast, which now actually is taking on a new name, Sibley Dolman, based on my new law firm that I've partnered up with Brent Sibley from the Sibley Law Firm down in Miami, Fort Lauderdale. Um, you basically cover all of Palm Beach, Broward, and Dade County, correct? Yeah, we, uh, we've been working uh, for the last couple of years in the more South Miami, but in the last year we've expanded now. We have offices all the way from uh, Doral uh, up to Boca. Okay, cool. And, you know, obviously I'm on the uh, West Coast in Clearwater, St. Petersburg, Sarasota, Newport Ritchie. So our new firm is basically statewide. Today we're going to discuss, you know, an issue that's kind of unique in, in recent years, Uber and Lyft, which are both ride-sharing agreements. What exactly is a ride-sharing agreement? What, what's Uber? What's Lyft? For those who, you know, have been sitting in a cave with their thumbs in their ears and not quite sure what's going on in society, explain what Uber and Lyft are. So... Thanks, Matt. Um, Uber and Lyft, as Matt said, are the rideshare companies. And uh, now they even have a more formal name, uh, which has been codified by the Florida you know, legislature. They are called TNCs, which is a transportation network company. And what does that mean? It's a special name that they came up with because the law has kind of changed a little bit for these companies because they are so big and they're so popular that they're not really taxis. Uh, they're not common carriers. They're not limousine services. So what are they? They are a system, a software company, basically, is what they want to be called, uh, that matches people who want to drive for a fee with people who want to be driven for a fee, and it just matches them. And it, they do provide an exceptional service, and I use it all the time. Um, and, so, and so that's what ride-sharing is. It allows regular people on both sides, drivers and passengers, to get pa paired together and uh, get efficient rides around their area. I mean, you can look up on your phone where the local, you know, Uber driver is. I mean, it'll sh literally show you how far away they are. It makes it just so easy. It's so, it's seamless as compared to taking a cab. It It's great, and it really is. It, it's exceptional, and, you know, anybody who knows me knows I'm a huge tech guy. I could go on and on and on, and we'll get into some of those things today on today's podcast, but... um. It's amazing. I mean, when we're done today, I'm going to request a Lyft because I like to use Lyft now. Uh, I made the switch a couple months ago. But uh, when we're done, I'm going to take a Lyft. As soon as we're done, I'm going to go downstairs, get in the Lyft, and it's going to take me right back to the airport, and I'll be back in Miami before I know it. Oh, that's fantastic. Explain you know, what are the uh, unique characteristics of a case involving Uber or Lyft. You get in a car accident, um, either side, whether... You know, you're the you're representing the passenger who was in the Uber car or the Uber vehicle, rather, or Lyft vehicle, and gets injured, or you represent the individuals hit by the Uber vehicle or the Lyft vehicle. What are the uh, issues that are probably unique to these type of cases? Okay, so the most important thing with any Uber or Lyft case is to find out which 
quote unquote phase of the trip or zone of the trip. I forget the exact lingo that they use, but it's something like that. And what do I mean when I say that? Okay, so if you if you're an Uber driver, the steps that you need to go through to be on the platform are as follows. You open your phone, obviously, you open the Uber app, and I'll just use Uber for now. You open the Uber app, you, you know, put all your information and you go through the registration process. But once you're on board, open the app, press go online, and now you're online, quote unquote online, you're ready to be matched with the driver. From the minute that you are online until you are matched, they call that being in zone one. And there is a certain amount of insurance that covers a driver in that situation. Then it transitions from zone one into zone two, which is when Joe, whatever, Joe, Joe Schmo requests the drive. The Uber driver's phone will now ring and say, you know, you have a passenger ready. He said, and then he, once he clicks accept on his phone, they're now paired and now it's kicked into zone two, which has a much higher level of insurance. And from the moment that he presses accept, they get paired together until he drops that passenger off at their location and he swipes on his phone to end the trip. They're in that zone where there's much higher levels of insurance and uh, it's like commercial grade insurance, you know, what you would expect from a big company, obviously like Uber and Lyft. And uh, there's just a much higher level of insurance that covers What's the differences in coverage? Give me an example. So- Anecdotally speaking from your case. Yeah. You know, we have a lot of cases and we represent a lot of drivers and I'm just going to go off my recent memory. But for the most part, if you're in a zone one situation, the amount of insurance would, would, from what I remember, it's only $50,000 of property damage. And from what I remember, there's not any bodily injury liability coverage, meaning if the Uber driver is driving around town waiting for a ride and he hasn't been paired yet uh, and he hits and kills somebody, Uber has no insurance that they're going to provide for that situation. Now, once he's paired with a passenger and he's on his way to get to that passenger, it's now escalated uh, to a million of insurance. And that's a million across the board uh, from my memory. I think it's a million dollars of of liability for injuries. It's also a million dollars of UM coverage, which is super important because that means that if somebody crashes into the Uber driver and that person doesn't have enough insurance, the Uber driver is protected up to an additional million uh, of coverage in that situation too. So those are the two main types of coverage that are added. You might not have an answer to this. This is kind of off the cuff, but how did Uber insulate themselves and Lyft as well during that first phase where a taxi cab, you get hit by a taxi cab from whatever taxi company it is, they're going to be on the hook for injuries they cause while their driver is driving around, even though they're not collecting a particular fare at that time. How did Uber insulate themselves from having responsibility during that phase? Well, that's a great question. And I wouldn't say that they've actually insulated themselves for sure yet, but they've done some things, you know, uh, most notably is they've spent a ton of money on lobbying and uh, they've they've gotten this statute passed, which I believe it was passed in July 1st of 2017. It's commonly referred to as the TNC, which I call, which I referenced before, the Transportation Network Company Statute, which basically outlines certain things with regard to these companies. And the most important, the, the most important thing that that statute says is that the Uber drivers are not employees of Uber. They are independent contractors. So what does that mean? What does that actually mean in English? Um, it means that Uber is not responsible for the behaviors of its drivers when they crash and hurt somebody, simply put. Mm-hmm. Except when they're actually performing a function for Uber itself. Except 
when they are performing. Well, it still hasn't been all the, it hasn't brought been brought all the way up to the Supreme Court yet. And I know that there are cases where uh, Uber isn't necessarily fighting it, but um, they want to be they want they actually want to be insulated from the vicarious liability all the way, even in that zone too. Which is just insane. Which is pretty egregious and yeah, an aggressive it's, it's stance. As, it's take. asinine. There would be no point to that. But I understand they have they have strong arm lobbyists that are fighting for them. So yeah, they have a lot of money and they have a lot yeah. of money and they're spreading it around. So and that's how it works with, uh, with corporations. What are the other unique issues related to Uber or Lyft? What else can you tell us about so, ride sharing agreements? Yeah, one of the other things that's that's really important that you know I see this a lot and some people might know this or might find this hilarious is that I actually was and kind of still am an Uber driver. I do it every once in a while. You drive for Uber. I have, yeah. I, I still am licensed on the platform. Is personal internet working out or what's going on? No, I do it just a couple of times a year. I actually really, really like doing it because we represent so many drivers and I like to see how the platform works. You'd be surprised how difficult it actually is to manage all the different functions of being an Uber driver, navigating the different streets, figuring out how to use your GPS. Sometimes you have to speak a language that you're not familiar speaking with. So um, everybody's a little bit uh, in intrigued when they get in my car because uh, they don't expect to see a lawyer in a suit in my car. But it's it's pretty funny. They ask me a ton of questions. Um, but uh, but some of the more um, you know interesting things with with that come up with Uber are getting the Uber drivers, they have to have their own policy of insurance. Okay. Even though they know that they're going to have insurance covering them through, it used to be through James River for Uber, and I think it's uh, York. It's York okay. for Lyft, and it's it used to be uh, James River for Uber. Now they just switched to Progressive. Okay. But even though there's these insurance companies that are going to be providing this zone one and zone two coverage, you still have to have your own insurance. Like, you know, Brent Sibley has to have his own personal auto policy in effect and valid. Otherwise, Uber won't even let me on the platform. So I have to show them and prove to them that I have my insurance. Which means that there's a first layer of insurance you have to get through before you get to Uber's. Well- Take me through that. It not Exactly. Thanks. So it's not necessarily, it's more of a threshold thing. So what happens is you Uber won't let you on their platform unless you prove to them that you have your own personal insurance. Okay. Now, with that being said, if you're in one of these zone one or zone two situations and a crash happens, Uber is still the primary insurance, but they will yet again force you to show them that you had insurance on the day of the crash active, and then they will match it. Okay. So they will provide the insurance, but they, but they want to make sure that you had insurance also. That and, and again, that was the last time I came up about that situation was probably a month ago, but I've seen it now several times, and that was how the last adjuster at at uh, James River handled that situation. So, and just so I'm clear on this, do you have to show or display or illustrate that you have the minimum level of insurance, or do you have to have that bodily injury policy in place? You, in the situation that I dealt with, you had to show the the adjuster at the James River wanted to see. This was a property damage matching situation. So it doesn't apply to bodily injury. So the bodily injury, 
doesn't matter what you have, they're going to have that million dollars of bodily injury. Okay, so that's matching different. is just for property the damage. Matri the matching that I saw was I understand, I just want to make sure that the listener... Of course, no, and I yeah. thank you, and, 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 and it's good to have a listener to help me explain because it doesn't always come out clear. So the matching applies to the property damage. But for a lot of people, the property damage, even though it doesn't, it's not really part of our day-to-day -day business, a lot of a lot of our clients, and I'm sure you you would agree, they they don't know where they stand with regard to what what their car is worth or what's fair for their car. They want to get back out on the road, the rental. Sure. There's a lot of questions. So property damage is always a huge issue in the cases. Yep. So so you know in this situation, what what James River said was that we'll 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 give you coverage. We'll give you comprehensive collision coverage as so long as you paid for it through State Farm. Let's say you had State Farm. As long as you were paying for it for your own, we'll we'll provide it and we'll handle the claim and we'll and we'll do the claim for you. Just okay. prove to us that you had it for your own personal situations and we'll and we'll match it for the Uber situation. Any other common questions that come up with Uber or Lyft? One thing that because uh, we represent a lot of drivers is a lot of drivers, Uber drivers and Lyft drivers don't realize that the insurance policy covers them basically to the same extent that it covers the passengers. So even though they're working, quote unquote working as a, you know, 1099 Uber driver, they are covered just like the customer. So the UM coverage that covers the passengers, which is the underinsured motorist coverage policy limits of a million, covers the drivers to the same extent that it covers the passengers. So if you're driving for Uber and you get hurt, you have good coverage for your injuries. So, you know, don't hesitate to contact an attorney because that will be the best decision you ever made. Understood. I have no further questions. You basically <laughs> covered it very thoroughly. So those are the unique issues that are germane to uh, Lyft and Uber. And obviously, this is uh, something that's changed in the last five, six years, these ride-sharing agreements, the prevalence of them in our society. And you only see them increase, although there, you know, there's attempts at legislation to keep them out of certain cities. And maybe you can shed some light on that. Is there... Most... Mo uh, there was a big battle in Key West. I think that they sorted their issues out. The problem is, is, is you know... The popularity of these systems is is the demand is very strong. So Broward actually, I think, uh, about a year ago, try, shut them down. Said it's illegal. Blah blah blah. It's illegal. You can't use it because they're operating. We don't like this element of what they're doing. And within two or three days, you had thousands upon thousands of people in Broward protesting city hall like give us our uber back we need it i mean it is that strong they don't have to pay a penny for that you know that's that's hard that's that's impressive brand value right there so they are they are providing a ton a ton a ton of value to people and the pro the popularity is huge one thing that i forgot to bring up when you asked me the last question about the re the recurring thing and this is something that i would highly uh recommend to the uber drivers out there in florida and in other states, but for sure in Florida, there are some insurance companies who will sell you a personal policy that is specially for Uber drivers. Okay. What does that mean? So that means that if I, as my as an Uber driver myself, my State Farm policy is just a regular personal policy. It's not a commercial policy. Technically, I'm not allowed to use it for commercial purposes, meaning I can't open a business where I'm moving glass furniture around, I wouldn't be covered because that's a commercial use. That's that's outside the scope of just a regular personal auto policy. Okay. So if I were to open a glass business and try and start moving glass around town and I had a huge claim where my car was totaled and State Farm found out about it, State Farm would like would likely, if they did find out, they would uh, they would deny my claim because I was breaking the terms of my insurance contract with them. And they would be justified under those fact patterns. But 
in a different scenario that's been coming up with Uber lately is let's say you have a crash. I have right. a crash with my car. I'm on the way to work. Everything's fine. I'm just using my car regularly. Understood. State Farm interviews me and they say, okay, you were on your way to work and some guy T-boned you. Okay. Seems like a normal thing. Um, and then they say, by the way, do you use your car for Uber? And I say, yeah. They might say, oh, well, because you are using your car for Uber, even though it had nothing to do with this case, you were just on your way to work, you weren't an Uber driver right now, but just because you ever used it for Uber while you were a policyholder from State Farm, you the terms you're violating contract. the terms of the State Farm contract, and therefore we're not going to we're not going to replace your car. Your whole policy is valid, and now you're kicked off State Farm. Because by the way, listeners, welcome to the world of insurance carriers. They try <laughs> to find any way to opt themselves out of coverage. Oh it's, yeah, you're guilty until proven innocent with insurance carriers, regardless of whether they're your insurance carrier or the at-fault party's insurance carrier. It doesn't matter. Insurance carriers are reluctant to protect you unless they have to protect you. They, they look for every reason to get out of it. They they only want to pay a claim when it's going to save them money. That's yes. the smart thing. That that's what they Don't know. I mean, they're exposure. businesses. Yes. They're owned by Warren Buffett. A lot of them. This is like you know the richest. This is the richest of the rich. Yes, the Berkshire Hathaway. They own Geico. Yeah, yes. they own Geico and a lot of the subsidiaries. So so going back to the point, which is that you know um, in that situation, State Farm might just deny me for the value of my entire car because I did an Uber ride three months ago. I mean, how ridiculous is that, right? Does that have anything to do with this claim? No, but they might be justified, probably not, but they might be justified under their contract to doing so. So what can you do to protect yourself? You can buy a specific policy that says, I'm buying a personal policy, and I know that Foremost Farmers is the one who sells it in Florida. And last time I checked, I didn't check today. Um, but they're selling a policy which is saying, look, we're selling you this policy. It covers you for personal, but we're we you're telling us that you drive for Uber, Lyft, Rideshare, and we're saying okay to that, and we're not going to void your policy. It's it's part of the policy. So when you're driving personally, we cover it, and when you're driving under one of these ride-sharing companies, it's going to be covered by their policy, and it's all up and up, and there's no problems. Very interesting. So that's something that you can do if you're an Uber or a Lyft driver is in any state, Google it. It won't take very long. Just Google rideshare insurance and see which comes up. Every state has different laws and different insurance companies. So do yourself a little research and uh, you probably get uh, maybe even better insurance than you have now and definitely better in the sense that it'll be protecting you properly. You learn something new every day. Yeah, you do. If you keep your, your eyes and your ears open, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah, big ears. All right, Brent. Well, I appreciate you coming on, Brent Sibley of the uh, Sibley Law Firm. This is Matt Dolman of Dolman Law Group. And we're now called Sibley Dolman Statewide. Thanks again for listening. This episode of David versus Goliath is over, but your journey is just getting started. To share your story with us, visit dolmanlaw.com. That's D-O-L-M-A-N law.com. Or call 866-965-6242. The insights and views presented in David versus Goliath are for general information purposes only and should not be taken as legal advice for any individual case or situation. The information presented is not a substitute for consulting with an attorney, nor does tuning into this podcast constitute an attorney-client relationship of any kind. Any case result information provided on any portion of this podcast should not be understood as a promise of any particular result in a future case. Dolman Law Group. Big firm results. Small firm personal attention.